This is a Momentum Media production. Inside Commercial Property with Rethink Investing. Australia's largest and most comprehensive podcast covering all things commercial investing. Oh, good everyone. How are you going? Uh, Phil Tarrant here, co-host of Inside Commercial Property, which I record with my friend and colleague, Scott O'Neill, Director, Rethink Investing. Scott, how are you going? Yeah, very good, mate. Good to be back again. Another month. Back. Yeah, no, we were pretty popular. Um, uh, I was. <laughs> it's quite funny. I was having a chat with um, my accountant uh, yesterday with some some private bank people, and uh, my account made the observation that more and more and more and more people are coming to him now wanting to invest in commercial property, and he's holding us responsible for it. Well, there you go. I thought a bit of the rate rise is pushing more people out of resi and. But yeah, no, good to see the uh, accountants on the same page. So, you should yeah. get him as a client. Well, you should do. He, he does enjoy uh, uh, investing in property, uh, this particular accountant. Um, but uh, yeah, I reckon we probably get him to have a chat with us at some point and, you know, like serving, servicing uh, property investors who, who choose to um, uh, focus on commercial property as an asset class. Um, a little bit different than Resi, um, tricks of the trade, uh, what works, what doesn't work. So, uh, We'll definitely tee that up, but um, we're sort of in a bit of a, a theme at the moment, Scott, we're doing the motions trying to, we've done a lot of the academic principle-based discussions around investing in commercial property, around the asset classes, type of asset classes, how do you do it, how do you sort of look at balance sheets and all this sort of stuff, and, and we're in a bit of a theme now where we're getting the stories from real investors who are investing in commercial property. Last time we got together, we had a, a new-to-market investor, someone who was just starting off their investment journey. By memory, he fixed hail-damaged cars. Uh, so if you haven't yet listened to that particular podcast, uh, go and check it out. Really interesting, um, his particular sort of philosophy and attitude towards investing in commercial property and, and what he's trying to achieve. But today, Scott, another guest who's sort of you know been out a little bit longer and has a different portfolio and gives some sense to um, property investors, uh, particularly in commercial, come in all shapes and sizes. Um, I've been looking for this one, mate. It's going to be good. Yeah, look, I, uh, I've been working with Paloma, which, yeah, we'll introduce in a second. But yeah, she's been she's been a great client to work with, bought a couple of properties on the other end of the journey compared to our last guest. So we want to show sort of both ends of the spectrum. So, you know, higher value assets, just those really good end game type properties, the ones we all dream to own. These types of properties will, will give instant incomes, large amounts, enough to retire on. And, and that's really, I guess, the center part of the conversation, like what these types of assets look like. And um, and yeah, there's a couple we can go through and there's a couple we missed out on as well. And yeah, all the same stuff we went through with uh, our last guest, just a different end. Yeah, no, it sounds really cool. Well, might as well, um, it's a good opportunity to introduce uh, Paloma Fansale. Paloma, how are you going? Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us and, and sharing your investing journey. Thanks for asking me. So I have it on good account uh, that, number one, you're a successful property investor, but number two, you're a medical professional. And I know a lot of medical professionals who swap their time and specializations for income, and that income they normally park in property. Um, it's been something which um, medical professionals, particularly specialists, have done for many years successfully. And you've chosen a, the same sort of pathway for wealth creation yourself. Any particular reason why commercial property for you? Look, it hadn't even crossed my mind and I was sort of introduced to commercial investing, it seems by mistake actually, uh, a few different links and I decided I came across 
I was looking to invest again, but just residential property because that's what I'm familiar with and have been for the last few years. And then I came across Scott's book and he was also highly recommended to me by my broker, who's the person who gives me the money. So so I thought, well, I haven't got anything to lose. You know, I was going on holiday for a week. I managed to get his book by then and, and then I really couldn't put it down. So I read it over a weekend and it made so much sense. And I like obeying numbers like Scott does. And so it really spoke to me what, you know, all the sensible approach that he had with commercial investing. I really liked the numbers and I thought, well, that sounds a whole lot better, switching my philosophy from negative gearing to positive gearing and that it was a lot safer, particularly, you know, in the current times where there's so much uncertainty. To have positively geared income is a lot more attractive from an investment than negatively geared, which essentially keeps you bound in your job earning income, which you have to do. So that's, you know, it was an accident, actually. I didn't go looking for Scott. He was delivered to me. I mm. took it from there and I was really happy. And sort of down the pathway of, of Reasy Property, and me and Scott chat a fair bit about this, um, most investors start down a pathway of Resi, then they go, hang on a second, there's there must be another way or a different way, um, yeah. and they find commercial sometimes earlier in a piece, sometimes later in a piece. Sort of negative gearing, I would assume your accountant went, hey, you should be investing in residence property because if it's negatively geared, then we can look for tax breaks. And as a medical professional, a doctor, I imagine you sort of earned good income, so it was a nice way to try and offset some of that. But you still got to make the money to pay some away, right? It's very different with commercial property. Was that sort of the, the approach you took? Was that from your accountant or your accountant sort of got you down that pathway? You mean initially, um, investing initially. in residential property? Yeah. No, look, I started that journey probably 20 years ago when I started making income, you know, that was reliable income from being a doctor because mm. that's how long I've been a doctor. So I wanted to park my money somewhere and um, I read a couple of books, Robert Kawasaki's book, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Tony Robbins, I think, inspired me. All the, you know, the 90s classics and 80s. And I thought, I read them, I thought, well, it makes sense. It was all about being smart about your money choices and how to multiply what you earn and not to waste money. So I had that philosophy and I went looking for it early on, but it, it had nothing to do with positive gearing. All of that was negatively gearing stuff. And it wasn't my accountant that put me onto it. No, it was... Probably, you know, growing up, you know, poor basically is what, what did it for me. Uh, as soon as I had stable income, I thought, well, I'm not wasting it. I have to find a way to multiply it. And so, you know, from a knowledge base of zero, I just did some reading. Unfortunately, you know, after those first couple of books, I didn't do any further reading because it's very easy to get comfortable in a, a stable income. Once you're paying off, you tend to just focus on buckling down and making the income to pay off those mortgages knowing that the payoff's going to be at retirement. It's a long-term game. That's residential negative geared investment sort of strategies. So I didn't look into it any further, and it was really just the uncertainty of the last two years that pushed me to look at something that was not dependent on me having to turn up to work, basically. Sounds pretty. I can't remember the name of your book, Scott. That's pretty bad, isn't it? What's it called again? Uh, Rethink Property Investment. That's right. I nearly forgot. Rethink, rethink property investing. But you co-authored that though as well. You can't you can't take all the no no. The, wife, take all the wife's a big. She part wrote of it. the important bits of it. You just exactly. coloured in the pictures, right? Exactly, mate. So yeah, day one was there, and yeah, kept us going as well. So so you mentioned Ploma that you 
you read it over a weekend. I hope you weren't on holidays drinking cocktails by a pool somewhere and you're absorbing yourself in. Oh, no. Scott's book. Gave that up a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) So something struck a chord with you. So as you're reading the book, were you sort of perpetually thinking, okay, how does this relate to me? What can I do about this piece of information? How can I change my narrative, shape my attitude or strategy towards it? I was um, very impressed with the numbers, as I said, but, you know, there's a few aspects about commercial property that are uh, enticing, making it work to start with, like the process of getting the money to purchase these properties, maintaining your financial commitment through the life of the mortgage, and then what that property will be worth and what's it like afterwards on top of what's it like to manage and how you're going to do that. Because I basically knew nothing, you know, Although the numbers worked well and are convincing in the book for me, all the other processes, I had to be sure that I would be able to have someone to help me, given that I just knew nothing about it. I really, you know, next to nothing. And so I knew that I already had, there was already a relationship between my broker and Scott. And looking further into Scott's business, I realized that, and speaking to him, that he offered a complete service where, he, you know, it, it's not just finding the property, but managing the whole process of selecting the right property, purchasing it, and then managing it after that because it has to be managed. And so if you've got no experience in that, it's kind of daunting. Once you've got the property, how is it that you manage it and how do you find the right people to help you? But Scott's business offers that. So, you know, it's tailor-made for people like me who are willing to jump in without knowing anything <laughs> and have him have him hold your hand. Well, it's not a bad philosophy to embrace it, much like, you know, if you need medical attention, you don't go to your mechanic to do it, right? You actually go yeah. to a medical practitioner who's a specialist in what you need. Yeah. Same applies absolutely inside of commercial property. So mm. I absolutely get that. And for time-poor professionals using a buyer's agent, particularly a specialist, also resonates in, guess what, you're probably going to get a much better outcome if you try and do it yourself on a part-time basis without mm-hmm. those skills and capabilities. And that's mm-hmm. something that resonates with a lot of professionals. Um, when did you first buy commercial? What, what sort of time are we talking about here, Scott? Is this journey with Paloma? Um, so I think Paloma, you signed up just before Christmas from memory and um, ended up putting a Chrissy, the Chrissy last year. Yeah, so 2021. So okay. it's all pretty recent. Um, well, plus, um, accelerator program. Yep. Yeah. And it's a reflection of the budgets Blaine was working with. Like, so the first brief is, you know, just call it circa five mil type purchase and um, some good deal. Well, there's, it's easier to buy in that range than, say, sub million dollars because mm. you're up against far less buyers. You're, I've got more bargaining power, like in terms of negotiation power. Like the property we ended up contracting on they were asking five million and we ended up getting it for about four well we got it for 4.45 the net income on it was 297 so that equates to a 6.6 net yield and that's after all due diligence and verified numbers so that's true net return after all costs so it's less mortgage less everything now the mortgage is a variable cost, but okay. less property cost. Uh, okay, yeah, 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 um, yeah. So six point. If you if you're looking at it a return on equity, you're getting probably about 12 percent yeah. on cash only, not growth. But the asset was it, it's south of Perth, so we've been talking of you know quite a lot in WA of recent. But um, this first one was like a medical center, and I thought it would relate well to Paloma, like you know a good first commercial property being in the field. So something um, you get. Yeah, recession-proof asset. Like there was three tenants. One was a, a you know a medical centre which was on a ten-year lease. It was about seven years into it, um, so three years left on it. 
big physiotherapist and there was a not-for-profit tenant in there too. So those two last ones were on five-year leases. So it was a, how big was it? It was a three, it was on 3,200 square meters of land and the building was 1,500. So it's a big asset, mm. especially for the money because, uh, you know, like uh, 1,500 square meters under roof, that's a fairly large, expensive property, just the building itself. So there's value in the building, there's value in the land and value in the tenants and the types of tenants you know, to get a 6.6 return in medical, in a, arguably a recession-proof industry, it's a good safe bet in commercial. I think lower risk than residential when mm. you're talking this type of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and no doubt, Paloma, uh, and I know banks quite like medical professionals. Um, the longevity and continuity of your employment is good. We need more doctors in Australia rather than less doctors in Australia. And it's something you can work in for a significant amount of time as well. Um, mm. And it is recession-proof. So I know banks enjoy and like lending money to medical professionals and, and, and often you get preferential treatment as a result of it. How did you find the whole sort of financing process? You said you're using your mortgage broker relatively straightforward and pain-free on an asset like Scott's just outlined. Uh, yes. I mean, the usual hiccups, there's always a few hiccups along the way. It's never 100% smooth sailing or stress-free, but um, relatively speaking, yes. And the final outcome was exactly what we wanted, so with good terms. So, yeah, really happy with uh, really my broker. He's fantastic and I will not be sharing her name because uh, I don't want everyone <laughs> to use her. <laughs> well, where are you based, Paloma? Whereabouts are you in New South Wales based? No, Brisbane. You're in Brisbane, yeah. okay. Well, well, I'll ask you offline who your broker is. Um, no, no, yeah. I know all the good brokers in Australia, so <laughs> okay. I'm quite interested to know who it is. What, what sort of LVR were you getting at, sort of 70%? No, 65 Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, and without checking this, I believe that that was the, that was the best that we could get for the current lenders, yeah. Yeah, so a bit of a background on lending as well. Once you're in these price points, you're normally working off 65%. 70% is normally a $3 million loan or less. Above that, if the property needs to service itself, banks will offer better terms and rates for 65% LVRs or under. So, if, you know, if you're one of those guys looking at these price points, work off 35% deposits. Yeah, okay. We did a bit of change, right? And something. What would you say this was worth? Four, four point something? 4.45. Yeah, okay. So, there's a fair bit of money down to get you into it. But um, what's the net numbers on it after all costs, including sort of mortgage, mortgage interest? Yep, so... All right, the numbers, so loan 3.1 mil, deposit, once you put it all in with stamp duty and other purchasing costs, it works out to be about 1.7 mil. Mm. And the net cash flow after mortgage, after all insurances, maintenance and everything, it's 201,000. Okay. So That's the interest component of the mortgage, not the principal Interest only, component. correct. Yep. yep. So, and I'm not sure what, did you get an interest only period, Paloma? Yep. Or you? Yeah, yeah. Two years. Five years? Two, two years. Yeah. Yeah. So two years and, and by then you're probably working off, the rents probably could be 10% higher in two years' time. The way um, Perth CPIs of the last four quarters has added up to 7.6% mm. as well. So anything CPI-based, it's it's going through the roof in the short term and um, that's really good for rent increases as well. So above average rent growth will be the theme for an asset like this, which has you know increases attached to CPI. Yeah. So, sorry, just come back to the numbers then. So, net after all costs per year is 200 something grand. 201. Yeah. It's not bad going. No, it's instant retirement for many when you get those types of numbers. Like, mm-hmm. And you'd need to buy a lot of, you know, residential properties and pay a lot of it off to get even close to that number. So, yeah. 
there's lots of people with portfolios worth four million or more spread over a number of houses, but they definitely wouldn't be getting two hundred grand clear. No, they'd be lucky if it's just mutually geared right on resi stuff, um, particularly in the sort of yields yep. that you're getting. And and what what's the game plan with with a property like this, Paloma? Is it to use that as free free cash, or you're going to pump it into the mortgage, or offset it, or what? What's the game plan? Oh, really? To offset the, all the negatively geared properties? That's <laughs> 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 what it is. But, yeah. Yeah, which makes sense, you know, to offset negative resi property. There's a lot of people do this, right? They're, they're chasing, they're chasing capital growth in in resi and offsetting it with positive commercial property. It's a it's a strategy that's that stood the test of time for many, Scott. Yeah, and it, it's probably increasing at the moment as rates have gone up. More people are, are shifting towards the need of covering that ever increasing cash flow loss on mm. properties. So there's yeah, there's more of a need to improve cash flow than before. So people are, are selling out of stock, selling out of residential or or just not buying the next residential to then offset it in a higher cash flow asset like you know, like this and it solves a pretty good problem you know yeah. 200 grand that offsets a lot of residential debt it does or at least in, you know you can continue on p9 mortgages just, just, we don't go into too many details Paloma, but what sort of assets you got in your resi portfolio is it in sydney melbourne brizzy uh, houses what spread, sort of stuff spread around a couple of states and um just single well the houses yeah single dwellings yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and what was it about you know this property scott you mentioned that it's something that Paloma would know, being a medical professional herself, so she was familiar with it. But what was it about this particular asset? I can see a picture of it there. So it's a whole of that building, is it? Yeah. It's so a big old chunk of property. What was it that you liked about this? Just uh, multi-tenant, medical. Uh, you've got an established, really good like 10-year lease on the medical centre. It's south of Perth, like near that Margaret River area. So there's, you know, it's a nice stable market, aging population, all the normal stuff you need to keep filling these types of tenancies and mm. and they kind of fed into each other. There's upside in the rent. The building was quite new as well. Like it, it appears like the building pest was very clean. Yeah, you don't see many of these. These are generally held forever. Once someone buys them, you generally only get access to them when they're on the way out. And yeah. So, and what was the purpose for this person selling this property? Do you remember? Elderly gentleman selling. Just um, wanted out, cash it. Clearing affairs. He had no basically. debt on it and he's just yep. cashing out. Yeah. Off-market sales, so no one else on the market saw it other than um, myself and Ploma, and and that I think was a contributor to the yield being mm. that high. Because if this went online through an auction campaign, it definitely would have gone for a, a sharper yield than six point six. I'd probably say even mid fives. So, so why do you sell it off-market then, when you could have taken it and got more for it? Uh, they just don't. It's gonna be they don't know the, the market because, like, how often does a, a medical center sell in this part of the world? Mm. Probably never. You yeah. know, so we've got a good nationwide focus. We know what this would sell to an investor. So we've just got more t- context than the agent or the owner, and that's our advantage. And that's purpose built medical, right? Is it sole source? Like, if you, you know, medical centers are good commercial assets, but you know, is there anything that makes that specifically? Built for being a medical center, zoning fit out, but you could you could gut the thing out and turn it into offices or retail if you really wanted to. But the zoning is the the major part of it. Mm. And I imagine they wouldn't want that to happen. And medical centers are pretty sticky, right? Like, you know, medical practitioners like to it's like a mortgage broker, right? They like the service, they like Glary and, and and build that sort of clientele continuity. Yeah, it's good business, medical. Exactly, and if that business wanted to move, they'd probably just sell the business and someone else would change the brand on it and you've got a, another medical asset you Keep there. the client base there who's been going there for years and years and years. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, interesting. Um, and you're happy, Ploma, with, with that particular buy? Any reservations or anything that you wish you did differently? No, not at all. Um, in fact, there were two um, office spaces that weren't leased at purchase and we've just signed um, a lease agreement for one of those, which will be a substantial increase. And again, the net yield. So, you know, there was room to move and it, it didn't take long, only a couple of months. It's mm. great. So that's all upside then. So that wasn't factoring into your – did you – when you did your original numbers, did you do it based on full tenancy? No, we did it with that upside on it. Okay. So there was a couple of spaces you could fill. Yeah, like Paloma could get another valuation done 12 months after settlement. They'll recognise that new rent, probably cap rated at a 6%. So mm-hmm. there's there's genuine upside there. And and there might be enough to redeploy and buy a whole other property out of it. Yeah, interesting. That's good buying. So there's another property in the portfolio, Scott, with Paloma for a commercial. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this one's uh, – in a in a ring Brisbane, so classic industrial. This is the stuff we have bought higher volumes for many years. There's rapid capital growth in Brisbane right now. This one was a cold storage facility. So cold storage in Australia, it's undersupplied compared to the rest of the developed world mm. by a factor of about two to three. So there's a shortage of it. So whenever a cold storage facility becomes available. There's tenants waiting for it. So this could be anyone from butchers to people packaging salads to frozen yogurts, uh, anything you see in an aisle at Coles or Woolies. There's um, probably a a warehouse somewhere, right? Yeah, cold storage warehouse somewhere. They're expensive to set up, expensive to maintain. There's lots of electricity they use. So there's always uh, value-add plays with um, solar paneling or uh, you'll get higher than normal rent because of it as well. But yeah, this property came with a seven-year lease. So expiry on this is Feb 2029. So long lease profile, and that would have been very good for lending as well. CPI increases. So look, that rent starting at 333000 on a 500, 5.3 million, that it's just over a 6.2 net yield, you know, 10Ks from the Brisbane CBD, like those numbers stack up. Mm. And the property's 3,000 square metres under roof. So Again, big, big, big asset. A bit more to it, like the building report was a little bit more, um, a bit more work in this one, and and that was part of the negotiations. Which, um, yeah, Paloma and my I sat down and went through a list, and we got the the vendor to address it for us before settlement, which polished it up a bit. Was that just sort of make good of issues or improvements? It's more make goods, just maintenance, make yeah, goods, maintenance, yeah, yeah. And, and what were the numbers on this one, Scott? So, five point three mil. So. A, Total deposit of just under two million or one point nine was needed for that. Cash flow after mortgages two hundred and seventeen thousand year one. So combine that to the other one. So there's a four hundred thousand passive income. Two purchases. Total tenants. Or there's one tenant in this one. Three in the other. So you're spreading that income over four different tenants. Totally different industries. Like industrial, you couldn't be further from medical. Uh, you know, out WA, you know, and you try. But um, this one was renting for 111 a square metre, which is super low. Mm. So there's upside in the rent as well. So if this tenant ever left, yeah, I personally wouldn't be nervous because you'd find someone very quickly at probably a higher rate, if anything. Yeah. And this uh, Ploma, uh, the first one being a medical centre, this one being cold storage, uh, any reservations with this particular asset? Uh, you know, a million bucks more than the place that you bought in, in Perth. Uh, what was it that you liked about this one? Oh, everything that Scott said. The fact yeah. that, yes, a bit more risk, I suppose, with all the machinery. 
high value machinery and then breakdown costs and all many risks associated with that. The fact that it's in high demand offsets that, in my opinion, because it doesn't matter what those risks are, that you, you'll always get someone to tenant in almost in any condition, it seems like. And then, of course, the refurbishment, if required, if anything bad happened to your high-risk machinery, well, there's someone waiting to not only take the space and rent it, but rent it for a better price point. So that was probably the main selling factor for me. It's mm. it's a rarity, meaning that any other risks were offset. This sort of purchase, Scott, you must see it where you've got more specialised fit-out. There's always discussion about who actually owns the fit-out. Yeah, and it's always in the lease as well. You know, sometimes it's just the previous landlord left it in there and the other tenants just resumed uh, usage of it. And um, it's important to note that because it can affect the outgoings, uh, your depreciation as well. So, yeah, landlords generally contribute to a portion of it. And that's your advantage because if you own the cold storage, then if that leaves, the tenant won't take it with them. And there'll be another tenant with similar needs take over it. And they'll mm. see it because cold storage, it's just a big fridge, really. Yeah. So yeah. it's expensive to, um, you know, set up these fridges and then you, you need all the storage under the roof as well. And so you need ni- nice high roofs. You need, uh, you know, three-phase power. Then these things use a lot of power too, yeah. as you could imagine. And just choose it up. and But that's all covered by the tenant anyway, not by the by the landlord, which is – Positive in this, and one of the one of the great benefits of commercial property. Is it, do, you, do you get a lot of these sort of assets very often, Scott? Do they come across your books? No, they're pretty rare. We target cold storage because the releaseability we think is quite good. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, it's specialised; it's going to be hard to fill. But it's all supply and demand related. So if there's a lot of similar tenants looking over a very small patch of available properties, the actual supply demand ratio is in our favour in this case mm. for now. And um, I know a lot of the big firms are building a lot more of this stuff because there's a shortage of it, but that's, you know, there's a reason. There's a shortage. So the rents are going up quite quickly as a result. Cold storage in Brisbane, average rate is about 180 to 250 a square metre, depending on the size and the quality. This renting at 111, it's, you know, a little bit older. You can see the cold storage doesn't take the entire warehouse space as well. So there's all these factors that come into that rental rate, but it is very cheap, this rent. So that's, that will give Paloma a lot of capital growth as that value flows through over time. Yeah. And what's the long-term play with these assets, Paloma, just to hold them? And is this one interest only as well? Did you Are you paying off the principal on it? Or again, are you just offsetting resi stuff? Yeah, interest only, offsetting residential commitments, um, long-term holding. Yeah, really don't know what we'll do in 10 years' time. Depends, uh, <laughs> you know, what the maintenance costs start to become and what competition there is, yeah. But generally, you know, bought to keep, yeah. Mm. And as a medical practitioner, how many how many years you got left in you on the tools before you, you choose to give it up? About 20 years. Okay. So you still got a lot of market cycles in you in terms of property. Um, is that the end of your commercial investing now or are you, you're going to sort of – is there more to buy? I don't think so. Oh, no, it's quite addictive. It's quite a bit of fun. Um, it's yeah. especially enjoyable when you're seeing your bank balance um, every month. So I don't think that'll be the end. That'll be the end Scott, of it. Scott, Scott will hear a lot from me. <laughs> when you're in theatre, do, do, is uh, property a big topic of conversation? Is normally uh, golf games and uh, and other sort of more benign things. Oh, it's usually child events. A lot of people yeah. <laughs> have got kids <laughs> and families. It's mostly about families. A little bit of yeah. politics. Not, not commercial property. 
Definitely not commercial property, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a, it's a new theme, right? Um, uh, actually use it as a learning experience for people. It, it all sounds super positive. Do you think you'll keep buying around this price point? Will you sort of change change the sort of um, the parameters of, of the sort of assets you, you think you're buying? Maybe it's a question for Scott as well. Uh, just Yes, I'd like to keep investing at that level. It just depends what you know, the next seven years of hyperinflation is going to do and mm. what the bank's going to lend. Mm. <laughs> that's that's a depend, you know. Are you putting your fees up? Are you able to pass on uh, increased inflationary costs in, in medical services? You could. Uh, it's certainly possible to. Um, it seems rather mercenary, so I'd rather make sure my tenants are paying proper rent. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's, that's the right way to answer it. And, and you know, a lot of people will be out there, Scott, you know, we chat with a whole bunch of different investors. Um, this is sort of more at the probably less people are investing at this this level. Is that is that fair? Yeah, de- it's, it is the quiet zone of the market. So, you know, that's Ploma's advantage. That's why these numbers are so strong and the leases are so long and the, the locations are so great. So if you can play in that space, you will get a good deal in any market. But yeah, look, it's a changing market as well. We're, we're seeing still such low stock levels at these levels. Um, but yeah, compared to the cheap price points, there is more bargaining power as a buyer. Yeah. Because it's ruthless still. Like, even though there's been any rate rises and that, if you're trying to buy something sub million, you're up against a lot of others. And um, people aren't selling at great prices yet. Mm. Like, so the price falls that we're seeing in residential, they're not, they're not happening yet in commercial. As long as you're seeing numbers like this, I see no reason why they would drop either because the numbers speak for themselves. Like, that's, that's why my job's quite easy. I don't need to sell an asset. Like, you present the numbers as long as it doesn't, you know look ridiculous or the building's falling over, it represents good value. Mm. And do you like working with people who are happy to deal with numbers or work in numbers jobs or they, they trust the data and the facts rather than more creative people, probably people like myself? <laughs> uh, oh, look, you know, working with like Paloma is very easy because, you know, she respects the numbers and, um, yeah, it definitely makes my job easier because mm. that's how I present properties, number-based. But, um, yeah, look, it's just about the education, you yeah. know. If uh, the more you know about it, the more you'll probably like it. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's really good. Well, I've I've really enjoyed the the chat, Scott and and Paloma. Um, I know Paloma's got to run. I know she's probably got lots of things on probably more property to buy somewhere or other, or or people to see. No, about Paloma, li- thanks, lives thanks. to save, lives to yeah. save. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> it's um uh, yeah, great. Thanks for coming in and, and having a yarn. I know uh, a, a lot of people. Uh, buying these sort of assets don't don't really like to let other people know they're doing it, but uh, I think it's very important that we sort of share the how and, and the what, yeah. and uh, we really appreciate you coming on and, and spending some time with us today. There's plenty more for everybody else. I think the mentality that there's not enough pie for everybody, the pie model, I don't think that's accurate. And uh, it's not helpful. We should share this information. I'm happy to. We should absolutely share. Have a lovely day. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, thank you. Nice one, uh, Paloma. Yeah, Paloma, a fun sale. Scott, thanks for coming on, mate, and having a yarn. I do enjoy it. It's uh, it's good. Um, we've got more stories to tell, more investors to chat to, and we'll make sure we do it over time. If people want to come and have a, a chat with you or if they want to get in contact with any questions, what's the best way to, to reach out, mate? Uh, just uh, info at rethinkinvesting.com.au. Sounds pretty good. Go and check it out, info at rethinkinvesting.com or you can just go to the website rethinkinvesting.com and you go and check out see what these guys are doing lots more of this um, Q&A episode coming up as well so make sure you get your questions through we'll see you again next time until then bye bye